Well, today is a wonderful day, and it's, uh, you know, Pentecost Sunday is an amazing thought. Uh, you know, so many times people that don't know the Bible and don't really study uh, religion, they, they don't understand that it's, it's not just a bunch of theories or philosophies, there's a historical emphasis and part of the Word of God. And all through the Gospels, which we've been taking our time to study up since January, and into the book of Acts, we read about what happened. When Jesus walked on this earth, we read about what happened when the early church was formed. And one of the most amazing things at Pentecost was just the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There was a promise of, of power to live, to power to witness, of power to be that God gave when Christ left this earth and the Holy Spirit came available for all of us. And, you know, as we read those stories, one of the things I always find people tend to say is, well, why don't we see some of that now? You know, because we read about all the miracles and all the healings and all that. And, and you know, it's an interesting question because we do see that uh, in, in different places, in different seasons, different times. We still see uh, things happen we can't explain because we, we need to understand that Jesus Christ, the Word of God says, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. But what I, I believe and what I've learned over our life is that simply it's not that he changes, it's not that the, the environment changes, it's that we change. You know, I, I, I see that we have so much around us influencing us in these days. So many things that kind of attach to our lives that if we're not careful, it, it pushes us out of that realm, it pushes us out of that place where we don't expect or we don't believe or, or we don't even accept what God really can do. And what I wanted to do on this Pentecost Sunday is I wanted to kick off a series really for the, for the month of May to talk about what, what are the things in our lives that, that we need to, and we're going to call it soul detox, what are some of the things that we need to get out of our systems, what are some things we need to get out of our lives for God to be evident, for God to be uh, shown through us that others may know Him. So I want to invite you this morning to open your Bibles or however you find your Bible, if it's on your uh, iPads or your phones, whatever, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, which is going to be kind of the theme passage we're going to walk through. And uh, if you're following along in new version, uh, it's, it's a great way, if you haven't discovered that yet, for reading plans during the week, uh, for good Bible studies. But also on Sundays, you can find our notes there under live events. And you can follow along, you can take notes, email them to yourself. It's a wonderful, wonderful advancement in technology. But in 2 Corinthians is where we're going to spend our time this morning because we want to talk about detoxing our, our soul, detoxing our, our spirit man. Uh, you know, there are things in life physically that we know aren't good for us, right? We, we can ingest things that aren't good for our bodies, like southern cooking, and uh, we, we ingest a lot of that, and uh, uh, we, we realize there's times that we need to kind of detox. In fact, detox has become a very popular term. Uh, we call it cleanse, and uh, people do really weird stuff these days to cleanse and detox, but they don't think about detoxing their spirit, their, their soul, their thoughts, their emotions those things that make us who they are. Because there are things in life that we don't necessarily take of or intake, but are just we are exposed to them all the time, right? It's kind of like if you grew up in a, in a smoker's home, you were, you were, you were always in, around secondhand smoke, and you know, nobody thought much about that in the past, but realize now there's a reason that this researching cancer. Uh, there are things that we are just surrounded by. Uh, we have we have things in the air, things in our environment. Uh, we, we saw about Flint, Michigan, the lead in the water, those kind of things that we don't even think about, but they impact us physically. But can I tell you, as a Christian, we recognize this is even more important because we are more than a body. We are triune beings. We are spirit, 
soul, and body. We, we are that God-like part spirit that's going to last forever. We are, we are souls. We have emotions. We have wills. We make decisions. And then we have these bodies, and, and we are impacted by so much around us that we need to, to get some things out of us sometimes because there are toxins that literally t- attach to our lives. Now, when we use the word detox, what do most people think about? They think about alcohol or drugs, right? Well, I, I, I have a friend of mine that tells the best joke. I'm not a good joke person, but I think we ought to start this message with a joke because the rest of it is very serious, all right? So, uh, so this, this guy was, was going down the road, and he was pulled over by a police officer because he was weaving down the road. And the officer pulled him over and said, sir, have you been drinking? And he looked up and said, officer, only water. And the officer said, well, I smell wine. He said, praise God, Jesus did it again. He goes, well, he goes, well listen, uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to put, a, put you on a breathalyzer test. He said, oh, no, I can't do that. That'd kill me. He said, why? He goes, because I'm an asthmatic. He said, well, then we're going to have to go down to the station and do a blood test. He says, no, sir, we can't do a blood test. He goes, that'd kill me. He says, why? He goes, I'm a hemophiliac. He says, well, then at least you're going to have to get out of the car and walk the straight line. He goes, well, sir, I can't do that. He goes, why? Because I'm drunk. <laughs> that was funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was pretty good. The rest of it's very serious. Second Corinthians chapter 6, let's dive in. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, that word yoked is not a word we use a lot today, and it, uh, it's a word that in the original language it, it meant closeness, it meant uh, attachment. Uh, he says, don't be unequally yoked. In other words, uh, watch your common fellowship with the things of the world. You can't get away from the world. We're part of the world. The Bible says we're in this world, but we're not of this world, so we need to watch that. He says, so guard your closest. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Now, the question begs the answer, nothing, right? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial is just another word for the demonic host for, for Satan. He says, so what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Now, let's just stop right there because one of the things we really mess up in, in modern Christianity and, and especially in America is we think of the temple as a place of gathering, right? And we're going to be real careful about this when we build our building. Can I tell you that buildings are not holy? We are holy. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God does not dwell in man-made structures. He dwells in us. So he's saying, we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. He's saying, listen, I want to have a greater presence, what we were just singing about. I want to have a greater presence in your life. I want to have you have a greater awareness of me working in you. He said, but to see that, to recognize that, you've got to come away. You've got to come out and, and, and move away from that closeness to the things of this world. He says, I want to have a greater presence in your family, your home, your job, but you've got to move away from those things that attach you from the world. He goes on and says, touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Now, now stop there for a second, because we've been teaching through the Gospels. The Gospel is what God did to receive us, what God did to come to us. And you say, wait a minute, Now I thought when I received God, He forgave me my sins. He purified me. Yes, He did. He absolutely purified us. We are cleansed of our sins. 
But can I tell you, once we become a believer, we have a responsibility to continually purify ourselves. In other words, when we see the attachments of the world coming on us and our thinking goes in the wrong direction or our language, those kind of things, he's saying then we need to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for this day, God. Lord, you said this is the day you have made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it, God. Father, I just thank you for the presence in this room right now, just the joy I feel, God, of people that, that know you, that are, that are wanting to know you, God, that are drawing closer, God, to you. And we just pray that, Lord, you would honor us with your presence, God, as we open the, your word. And let your Holy Spirit speak to us, change us, God. Let us not be the same, God, when we leave this place. God, we give you praise. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Spirit detox, soul detox, literally ridding ourselves of those things that contaminate, contaminate our thinking, contaminate our speech, our language, contaminate our, our emotions, things that lead us down paths that don't honor God. You know, when I was just starting out in ministry, someone gave me a book a long time ago, and I thought it was the strangest title. When I was moving and packing everything up, I came across it again, and maybe you've heard the story told or you've even had the book, but it's the story of the frog in the kettle. Can anybody relate or understand about the frog in the kettle? And the concept of it was, and it's powerful, and it's, again, and I, I please do not try this experiment at home, okay? But supposedly, you take a frog, you put him in a bowl, a, 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 a bowl of cold water, and you put this frog in the water over the stove, and you turn up the heat. Supposedly, please don't try this at home, it's just cruel. Supposedly, the frog just kind of lays there and thinks, man, I'm like in the bubble bath at first, and then it gets like, well, wow, I'm getting like in the jacuzzi, this is nice, you know. And before, he long, before long, he doesn't even know it, the frog gets boiled to death. He, he, he is so slow in recognizing that his environment changes, that his environment ultimately kills him. Well, can I tell you, in the same way I fear for believers today in this environment we live in, that we can get so used to the things and the thinking of this world that we don't even recognize before long that all of a sudden we're, we're no longer anything different than the world in our thinking, our actions, and our beliefs. And we've got to be careful that we allow God to continue to work in us, to purify us, so that His presence is evident, evident in our lives. You say, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm like that? I mean, obviously we're not frogs and kettles. We don't see boiling water around us. But how, how do we know that we're being impacted by those things of this world that we need to detox out? I, I think we know this way. It's in Psalm 13, Psalm 13, verse 2. It says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? I know it's right, but I keep struggling with the opposite thought, right? I, I know what I should be thinking in the situation, but I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the, the thoughts of the world. And every day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now, this is David, King David, who was a, a man after God's own heart. And he's saying, he says, why do I have to wrestle so much with my thoughts? I think that's one of the things that is a symptom and a sign that maybe we're allowing things in our lives that are contaminating instead of blessing. He says, how long do I have to have sorrow in my heart? I'm overwhelmed by these things that are around me. And how long will my enemy triumph over me? It's interesting that when you, you recognize the symptom, you want to say, well, then what do I do, right? 
to, to, to detox? How do, I, how do I work through this? And, and I think Paul, the apostle who, who wrote Corinthians, a letter to the church at Corinth, in his letter to Rome, to the church at Rome, in Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8, he gives us kind of the, the remedy uh, of what do you do? How do you get these things in the right place in your life? And it's really interesting, if you're reading Romans 8, and I don't have time to take you back into Romans 7, Paul really takes you through his thought process of, of what many of us struggle with. He said things like, why is it that I... I know what I ought to do, but I find myself doing the opposite. Why is it that I, I know how I ought to think, but I find myself thinking the other way? In fact, he got to the point, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. He goes, who can save me from this, right? And then chapter 8, he writes chapter 8, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time. Because in chapter 8, he gives this remedy, beginning in verse 5. He says, he says here's the deal. Those who live according to the sinful nature, have their minds set on what that nature desires. So, so we need to pay attention to where our minds are set. Uh, you know the old uh, phrase back when technology was first developing in the computer world, the old gigo, garbage in, garbage out, right? He says if you're, if you're dwelling on garbage, guess what comes out? If you're dwelling on the world's thought process, then guess what comes out? So we need to pay attention to that. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. For the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. How many want life and peace today in your, in your lives, right? I mean, that's what we all want. We want real life, abundant life, and we want peace. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. So there's something for us to do, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you detox, right, if you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So here's what I want to do over these next four weeks. Today I'm just going to introduce the thought. But the next four weeks we're going to talk about specific things that we need to, to, to let God help us detox from. And then we're going to challenge each other, and we're going, to, we're going to work to the place where we're saying, okay, for a week, let's focus on getting these things out of our lives. In the spiritual terms, we call it fasting, but I'm not calling you to a fast. You're all like, oh, great, man, we're having a picnic, so we don't access to fast. No, we're not, and we're not talking fasting that way, or maybe God leads you to do that. But what I'm talking about is focusing for six days of just saying, you know what, God, you're, you're, you're showing me something here that needs to come out of my life. I, I want to try for six days just to let you work in me in that area. Can you think we can do things for six days? Yeah, I'll ask you again next week, right? All right. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to kind of give us three areas, three things that, that we need to focus on taking out of our lives, and then three things that we need to replace them in our lives with, all right? So if you're taking notes, three things that I, that I really want to just focus on right now, they're kind of very overarching things that we need to just right away identify and say, you know what, you're right, those need to come out of my life, and then three things that need to be put back in our lives, all right? So you ready? Here's the first thing. If we were going to detox, you know, when you detox, you stop ingesting things that are bad for you. That's the first thing you do. You stop eating the fried chicken, okay, or the pork barbecue or the onion rings and hush puppies and all that stuff. So the first thing you got to do is you got to starve some things out. And I really believe one of the things that affects so many of us today is we've got to start out by starving out doubt. We, we need to start by starving out doubt in our lives, if you start getting consumed in the news of the world or, or listening to news radio and, and we start fretting over elections and economies and, and all these things that are surrounded by, around us, if we're not careful, we start doubting that God really is God and that God is in control. 
we start seeing things happening in our culture and the, in the morality or lack of morality or the redefining of morality, and, and we start just fretting over it. And the next thing you know, all we're thinking is, man, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and I'm just, I'm just done with it. And when, where is God anyway? And we start doubting. Can I tell you that God is still God? And he still reigns over all, and he is still working actively in our lives, and he is still revealing himself to people who will seek him and know him. But here's what happens. We get so overwhelmed with this that we start thinking like the world thinks. And we start dismissing God's reality and replacing it with the world's interpretation of reality. I, I've said it again and again and again, and you have to forgive me. My, I always have a physical Bible up here, even though I read it off of this, but I couldn't find it. It's in a box so that got packed. But uh, it's why we've got to stay in God's Word. Because the world is subtly changing things that we have been taught to believe, and now we're being made to believe that there's something wrong with us if we still believe what we were taught to believe in God's Word. And can I tell you, it's messed up. It's messed up. And I don't care, it's not a generational thing, it's not an age thing. God does not change, and his word does not change. And we need to be people of God's word, because it is so subtly, deceptively changing. We used to say it was subtle, now it's not subtle anymore. It's just blatant. And if we're not listening to God's word, reading God's word, ingesting God's word, then we start doubting. We start putting ourselves away from what God said he will do. So to, to remedy doubt, we've got to do this. We need to trust what God says. We need to trust that God's ways are right. The word says this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It goes on to say, it's not in the notes, in all your ways acknowledge him, and then he'll direct your paths. He'll show you the path to go down. He'll lead you in the way. We, we've got to rid ourselves of doubt. We've got, to, we've got to break away from that. We've got to separate ourselves from doubt because doubt gets in us, and we stop believing. We stop living by faith. Can I tell you, it's a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge to all of us. Before long, if, we, if you catch yourself sometimes, you're so bought into the world's way of thinking that you don't exercise faith. You don't believe God's going to come through. We've got to break free from that, and we do it by trusting in what God says. The second thing is similar that we've got to break away from or we've got to starve out of ourselves is negativity. Do not look at your neighbor right now, okay? Negativity. We all know negative people, don't we? You might be one. <laughs> you may be listening and say, well, that's me. You know, it's that, oh my goodness, oh, everything's just bad. Oh my goodness, my kids are just, gone. oh, they're just doing terrible. Oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen with my job, I don't know what's going to happen with the economy, I don't know what's going to happen with the election, and before long, we sound less like Christians, and we sound more like Eeyore back from the old Winnie the Pooh thing, right? Oh my, life's just hard. Oh, my relationships are tough. Oh, my serving Jesus is just difficult. I have a friend I affectionately call Eeyore. Every time he calls me, I'm ready for the, well, it happened again. And I'm thinking, man, you need a little infusion of Tigger in your life is what you need because you sound like Eeyore all the time. Because, you know, we get caught up in that and we're just like, we start thinking negatively and it just pollutes our spirit and it brings us down. And can I tell you, it drives people away from you if you haven't picked up on that yet. If you are negative, people don't want to hang around with you. They want Tigger. They don't want Eeyore. It's just a, it's just a fact of life. It's like, who is Tigger and Eeyore? You need to read Winnie the Pooh. Come on. If you have, that's some good stuff right there. 
But, you know, it, it's just coming to that negativity and saying, I've got to break away from that. I've got to retrain how I think and detox away from negativity if I'm going to follow Christ. So how do we do that? There's two things that are really important. They go hand in hand, and that is the first is we need to think what God thinks. We need to, we need to fill our thoughts with God's thoughts so that we think the way God thinks. In Isaiah 26.3, one of my favorite scriptures says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Listen, all of us struggle with this. It gets a hold of us. We get stressed and we start thinking the, the wrong things instead of the, the right things. I have, to, I have to call out my friend this morning, my, my realtor, Daniel, who uh, is a man of faith because we just were closing on this house and he kept having to remind me, Mike, it's going to be okay. Because we can all get caught up and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? Something else is messed up. I have just learned, if in case you don't know, buying a house is like going to the DMV, something is going to go wrong, okay? So, uh, like my microphone. But... Uh, you know, we all get caught up into that negativity, and we've got to just trust God to think the way he thinks. We've got to learn to do that. The second thing is, and you can't have the one without the other, you've got to learn to think the way God thinks, but you've got to learn to say what God says also. Can, you, can I tell you, the words of our mouth reveal what's going on in our heart, don't they? The words in our mouth reflect what's happening in us. And we've got to learn to think what God thinks, and then we've got to say what God says. In Ephesians 4.29, and boy, this, this one can get all over me and can get <laughs> probably some others, says, don't use foul or abusive language. That was, that was the, that's what God had to set me free from when I got saved, right there. That was the biggest thing that I battled and battled and battled was language. It's kind of ironic that God makes me, uses me as a preacher now. But he says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. A little secret here. If you get that one right, people do want to hang out with you. If you get that one right, people do want to be around you because now you're encouraging. Now you're building them up. It's kind of ironic to me. The other day I, I got asked to be an overseer of another church plant, and it's out in Greenville, North Carolina. Great young pastor down there. And I started thinking through this. I'm like, Mike, you're, you're now an overseer of eight different church plants across North Carolina and even one in Grand Rapids, Michigan now. And I'm like, why is that? I think it's because right here, God has taken what used to be a problem for me and has turned to where now he uses me as encouragement to others. And guys, that is a blessing. Because when you're an encourager, let me tell you, you're reflecting God. And God is allowing you to, to bless others because he has blessed you. You see, now I don't get it right all the time, right? I don't always get it right with the negativity. I don't get it right from, deep, from the doubt. But here's my challenge to you. Can we go six days? Can we just start today? Can we go six days and say, I am not going to buy into doubt, and I am not going to be one who's full of negativity. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or sign or anything, but I'm just going to challenge you right now. We've got to starve ourselves from these things. And the third area, and this is the one that's probably most obvious that you think would be number one, and that is that we've got to starve ourselves from sin. We don't talk about sin much anymore, but we need to starve ourselves from sin. Because anything that pollutes our spirit man is sinful. Anything that pollutes this who we are is sinful. And we need to see the word, and we need to, to recognize what it means, but we don't need to live under the condemnation of it. Because whenever I say sin, it's like a, I, I watch your faces and I watch your body language, and you're like a dog that's been beat. Everybody just kind of, you say sin, everybody kind of crouches, you know? Because in our culture, we think of sin as, and then we just think of condemnation. 
well, I'm a sinner. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna be perfect. I'm just always failing and all these things. And part of that is true in the sense that we're not perfect. But the word of God says when we are saved, we are no longer identified as sinners. We are now saints before God. And we are now cleansed from the latter life. Now we have a new life that enables us to overcome sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to look at that word sin and say, well, what does it mean to sin? The, the, the original language says to sin means we miss the mark. It, we miss the mark. It's the picture of an archer you know, shooting at the, the bullseye and missing the whole, the whole bale of hay, right? Just kind of missing everything. Well, the only way you can correct that is, is to re- readjust your aim. You know, what are you living for? What are you trying to do? Where are you going? Because if you're pursuing God, if you're pursuing His ways, then I can tell you, you, you stop missing the mark. And it's not because of the fear of sin, it's because of the love of God that changes you to want more and more and more of Him. So the, the solution to detoxing from sin is, is that word repentance, again, which is a word people don't like, and it literally just means to turn around. So here's the action step. I will turn to what God wants. I will turn to what God wants. Once. And can I tell you right now, every one of you know exactly what that is in your life. I don't have to name it. Every one of you know exactly what that is in your life because you know what you trip over, right? You know, you know the things that set you up, whether it's anger, whether it's pornography, whether it's just that, that wrong thinking. We, we all know what it is, and we just got to repent from it. Romans 6.13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. You know, that's what we do when we, when we pray in the mornings. That's what you do when you start your day working out your salvation loving God. You're giving yourselves completely to Him. You're saying, God, I don't trust myself. God, I, I, you send me out in the world, God, in my power, I'm going to blow it. <laughs> you send me out in this world, God, with my mindset, I'm going I'm to fall into doubt and negativity. But here, here's my number one prayer. God, Fill me with your Holy Spirit today. God, let me give myself completely to you. God, because when I'm in your hands, God, when I'm walking in your spirit, God, I'm going to reflect who you are today, God. That's my desire. That's my prayer for you. So we've got to detox. We've got to get these things out of us. But if anyone who's ever been detoxed from anything, you've got to recognize you don't just get stuff out of you. You've got to put good stuff back in. So here's three things I want you to focus on putting back in. Same challenge, six days. Just want to see if we can't work this out before we come together next weekend, God willing. Here, here's the thing you've got to feed. Number one is you've got to feed God's Word into your life. This is not enough. This is not enough. Coming to church on Sunday and hearing me, it's not enough. Someone asked me one time, why do you, why do you have so much Scripture in your sermons? Because the average person does not read his Bible. The average Christian does not read their Bible the way they should. It's not enough. We've got to feed ourselves. We've got to get the Word of God into us. We've got to learn to trust what God says, say what He says. We can only do that if we read what He has given us. So I want you to try this. I want you to try feeding your mind God's Word for six days. Here's the challenge. Feed God's Word in your life for six days instead of listening to talk radio or political commentary for six days. How many would like to be removed from Trump and Hillary for six days? Come on. Come on. It might set you free. I'm just telling you right now. Come on. Six days. Some of you are like, I can't give up my talk radio. Yes, you can. You can. Get God's word in you. When I used to travel so much, I even uh, would buy, buy the Bible on, <laughs> this is terrible, so old, T 
tape, uh, cassettes, not A-tracks, uh, although I used to have a cool collection of those. Um, then it was CDs, now it's MP3. But even to get the Word of God, just listening, because how, how is faith built in your life? Faith comes by what? Help me out if those another Word of God. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So it's not just seeing it, it's hearing it, it's getting into your spirit. So we've, we've got to take time to do that. So here's your action step, it'll be on your screen. It says, I will blank. You've got to fill in the blank. Because for some of you, it may just be, I will buy a Bible, or I will open it up, or I will dust it off, or I will, but others it may be, I will read Romans, or I will read Galatians. Whatever it is that you need to do and you know you need to do, it's just a matter of getting the Word of God into you. Maybe just reading a psalm every day, a devotional, or even a proverb every day. Proverbs, there's 30, 30 proverbs, one for every day. You just need to get them into your spirit. Uh, One-year Bible, something we always recommend, just again, systematically going through God's Word. But here, here's the promise. Psalm 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. This is out of the Good News verse. I just like the way it said it. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil men. And it says more stuff. Instead, they find their joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it day and night. Six days. Six days. Feed on God's Word. Let it get into your spirit. Here's the second thing I want you to feed on, and that is worship. And specifically what I'm talking about is music. And I know that worship is not just music. I know worship is not what we just did a while ago. Worship is everything we do. But there is this powerful medium in our world that we all ingest of and we don't think about it. Music is powerful. And I'm going to challenge you to do something for six days. Turn off the classic rock. Turn off the country. Turn off whatever it is that you normally listen to and get some praise and worship music in your life. For six days. We did this with our leadership team about four years ago. And I remember a young lady, she'd been raised in church and all that, and we did this for a week, and she said, My goodness, my thought life is so different right now. I never thought about the words I've been listening to day in and day out just because I like the beat and the rhythm and the I can get lost in the music. Now, come on, I love good music. You love good music, right? But can I tell you, you need to feed on some music that actually feeds you. That's why we start our service with singing and worship. We're just trying to get a little detox going so the Word of God has a place to land in your life. Because here's the thing, the world's philosophy is communicated mostly through its music. You can study this uh, in other cultures. Even you listen to the music, it speaks of the philosophy of that culture. We have the same thing in America. And if you listen to the music and you actually listen to the words and not just the rhythm, it has the power to shape your thinking. And that's why worship music has the power to shape it in a positive way. In Philippians, well, I skipped it. I, here's, the, here's the action step. I will. You've got to fill in the blank again. You've got to know what you need to do or what you want to try to do for six days. But the reason is found in Philippians 4. And it says this in Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about these things, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then, then, see that? Cause and effect. Then the God of peace will be with you. Man, I want the God of peace with you. I want the God of peace evident in you. We've got to recognize sometimes we've just got to feed ourselves in the right things. Here's God. Here's God offering us closeness. Remember the scripture we started, the foundational scripture of this series? He's offering us closeness. 
But he says, don't touch the unclean thing. Don't, don't, don't touch the unclean thing. He says, I want to get near you. But when you're so toxified with everything else that you just ingested and allowed to come and attach to your soul and spirit, basically you're creating this barrier wall up. It's God saying, I want to be closer than you're allowing me to be. But you know what? You can open the door. You can open the door, but it begins by getting some things out and putting some things back in. God's offering that close, and he says, don't touch the unclean thing. And then finally today, we're going to wrap this up. The last thing, the last thing I'm going to challenge you, six days. So six days, it's not a lifetime. Six days, hopefully it'll lead to a lifetime. Six days, prayer. Feed on prayer. Prayer is something we talk about more than we actually do. Praying for you. Yeah, right. Hey, pray for me. Sure. I got so convicted over that years ago. You, most of you now know, if you come up and say, hey, Pastor, pray for me. Okay, let's pray. I'm going to take your hand right now because I don't trust myself to remember to pray for you later. I'm praying right now. And I pray for all of you every day and, you know, pray for hope. God is the people of hope. But, uh, but God does specific people on my heart. I pray specifically. But when you ask for prayer, pray. Try that. That'll freak people out. It worked. Think about it. The next person goes, hey, pray for me. Grab their hand. Go, God. Let's just thank you right now, God. Let's agree to, they're just like looking all over the place. I didn't mean now. Why not? Why not? <laughs> the best thing you need is what I'm giving you right now, and it's not a, uh, it's not a God bless you to us Southerners. It is an actual prayer. You know, God almost dares us to do this. He almost dares us to pray. And same fill in the blank, I will blank. You've got, you got to work that out. Maybe it's I will get up earlier. Maybe it's I will get to work earlier and pray. I will, my, my, my younger brother always blesses me. He's the one that's the appellate court judge in Texas. He gets to the office uh, an hour before anybody else because he knows at his house he's not going to get any time because he's got kids, and he knows that the drive's going to make him need to repent, because he's in Austin, and their traffic's worse than us. Uh, so he gets there, and he just spends time in God's Word, and he prays, because he's dealing with stuff we wish we didn't have to deal with every day. But God challenges us in this. Check this out, Second Chronicles, and I know in your notes, if you're on version, the message gives you like a chapter where the NIV gives you like a verse. But in that chapter, I'll read you just the highlight, Second Corinthians seven fourteen. If my people... My God-defined people respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives, detoxing, getting things out of us. I'll be there for you. I'll listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land to health. Man, do we need that. Man, do we need that. See, Mike, you're asking a lot this morning. No, I'm not. I want to challenge our way of thinking. I want to challenge the frog in the kettle that says we're just getting boiled to death. We don't even know it. Because we're just so surrounded by negativity. So surrounded by doubt. So surrounded by wrong thinking and wrong thoughts. When I was working my way through college, I, I had a job I enjoyed. I built houses. I was, a, I was a frame carpenter. One, it kept me in shape. Two, it was... Paid better than McDonald's back then. But what I noticed was most of the men I worked with, well, let's scrap that. All of the men I worked with were not saved, okay? And all of them had vocabularies that, let's just say, 
It's not church talk. And I remember when I first started working there, I, I found it kind of offensive. You know, I was like, oh, no, I didn't hear that. Oh. But you know what I found? The longer I was in it without being aware of it, the next thing I know, it was attaching to me. And now my thoughts were thinking those thoughts, and my expression was becoming that expression. And I knew better, and I would do it, I'm like, oh, oh. And I remember being challenged by the Holy Spirit to go, you don't have to do that. But you got to start feeding yourself good thoughts. Now, this, this isn't some psycho babble thought this morning. This is the Word of God taking root in us. And church, He has promised us. If I sat in front of each one of you this morning and said, would you like God closer in your life? Yes. Yes. Would you like God's presence more in your family? Yes. It's not about being a prude and saying, oh, we just can't listen to that kind of language or, oh, I just can't get around that and I've just got to put myself in this little box. No, that's not what it's saying. We are in this world. We're called to impact it. You can't impact it without touching it. But he says, but don't let the unclean thing attach. Keep it away. Because the more we do that, the more of God is reflected in us. I want him to be near us. I want him to be near you. We have a choice, don't we? The next four weeks, I'm going to be just sharing different areas that I really believe we need to be aware of. But today, let's start here. Let's cast down doubt. Let's cast down negativity. Let, let's, let's deal with sin as God reveals it to us. We're not going to go on a witch hunt and go, have you, have you done this or done that? No, let's just let God reveal it to us. And let's give it to him. Amen.